0: just want to talk for a few moments about living by faith. I've been thinking about this a good deal this week, about living by faith and how it should affect the the average Christian. I I suppose that's a bad term, the average Christian. We should say rather our normal expected walk as Christians. How does the, the thought of living by faith affect us as normal Christians living in a sinful world? how are we expected to walk that walk this was brought about by by various things uh, that happened you know a while ago we met a a delightful Christian from Nepal recently while we were on holiday he runs a, a trekking and walking holiday program in Nepal and with his business he also runs an orphanage and if you click onto his business site, you can then access the orphanage site. Lovely pictures of little children in his orphanage. About I think he's about 11, 10 or 11 children in the orphanage. And there's an opportunity to make a donation to help the work of this Christian orphanage. Although it isn't terribly clear on the site that it is actually a Christian orphanage, but he, he says it is. And it's all very commendable. Not many businessmen in this country have a a Christian work advertised on their business sites. Very few, I, I, I can't think of any. You know, with the internet we have seen a growth of Christian sites of various types. All shapes and sizes are catered for. And it beholds you and me who Happen to go onto the net and look at some of these sites to be very cautious and wary uh, of this proliferation of Christian or so-called Christian sites. And uh, the few times I've looked at the God program, I don't have it the, uh, on, on television. I am amazed at the the variety of so-called Christian sites on television. But it's not these churches and organisations in particular that I was thinking about, rather, fairly normal Christian charities and the like who are doing some excellent work, mainly overseas but also at home. And, you know, with the global economic downturn, charities of all sorts have been drastically affected. And we're all aware of this. Downturn in the economy. But it's much more effective or much more uh, destructive for those living and working abroad and in the developing countries in particular. Although, mind you, the, some of the countries nearer home are being affected very badly, as is the south of Ireland, for instance. Everyday needs and just keeping their heads above water in some of these foreign countries, developing countries, are a constant problem. And there is a need for these charities, a need to be met every day. So, in many cases, we are made aware of these needs through either emails, letters, and magazines. And they come in. Uh, with with frequent regularity, many of these appeals are made to all and sundry, like that one I was saying in in, uh, in Romania, and also that little orphanage in Nepal. Many of the appeals are made in the same manner as normal worldly charities, with enclosed bankers' orders, gift aid forms, uh, and certificates. And one of my own personal dislikes appeal letters, which are printed with a, a PS at the bottom of the letter, which was printed as the letter was printed as well. Uh, you know, our, the Christian appeals to me look so similar in many instances to the normal ones which go out from secular organisations. I've been abroad on behalf of uh, charities on occasions and I've seen at first hand the needs. I'm only too well aware of the pressures on these organisations and individuals within them on on a daily basis. Life is hard. To many it only seems reasonable to make these kind of appeals. Can we see and follow a biblical pattern which we should copy in these circumstances? I I realise that what I say may not be accepted by all but I pray that God will guide our thoughts and that all of what I say will be taken in Christian love and concern as to how we should approach this sensitive subject. <clears throat> it's not by any means a, 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 a long uh, thesis on this. It was just a few thoughts that I wanted to bring forward. You know, when I was young we went to a church which had no collections for the Lord's work except at the Lord's Table or Breaking of Bread service where only church members or visiting Christians were present. No other collections were ever taken up. Never had any other collections. I, you know, At that time I, I just accepted it. But as time went by I realised that they had in fact taken the words of Scripture and applied them to their Method of raising money for missions. In Third John, verse one, we have the principle set out very clearly. First John, uh, uh, Third, the Third Epistle of John, and the first chapter. John is is. Uh, speaking of a man called Gaius and he, told, he calls Gaius well beloved and he obviously had a generous spirit and how he had treated some brethren and strangers brethren and strangers whom he did not know but these brethren had were going out in the work of the Lord and they had arrived And he had this love towards those who, for the sake of our Lord, it says, went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. And because Gaius knew that these people served a common master, under his leadership, Gaius also felt compelled to help them just as much as they had gone out, to serve that master and they were prepared to take nothing from any who were not in the true church they were not prepared to take anything other than those who were Christians they were not prepared to take assistance for the work of the Lord from those who were of the kingdom of Satan and they suffered because of this. But Gaius saw the need and he was prepared to help them. And you know, it seems so logical. Why should we accept help in to d- help in delivering the gospel message to a lost world seeking to rescue men from the kingdom of Satan? Why should we accept? aid from those who are in the kingdom of Satan it's the equivalent of our soldiers accepting or looking for aid from the Taliban in order to help fight the Taliban now you may say that's a bit extreme but it's not these people were prepared to go out taking nothing from the Gentiles. That was the principle. And you know this principle also appears elsewhere in scripture. Turn to Acts 20. Acts 20 and 33. Paul was leaving The elders at Ephesus. Acts 20 and verse 33. And he says. Now brethren. I commend you to God. And to the word of his grace. Which is able to build you up. And to give you an inheritance. Among all them which are sanctified. Oh he was leaving them. He commended them to God. To the word of his grace. Which is able to build you up. To give you that inheritance and we know that elsewhere we see that inheritance is incorruptible, undefiled, it fadeth not away and it's reserved in heaven for each one of us. But then he goes on to say I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me When he went there initially, he was not prepared to accept anything from the Gentiles. He was prepared, if needs be, to work so that he could labour for the Lord. Ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Look at Corinthians uh, in Acts, uh, when Paul went to Corinth in Acts 18 and verse 1. After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. He arrived to, in, in Corinth. And finding a certain Jew named Aquila born in Pontus. Lately come from Italy and his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. They had, been, they had to leave Rome and they had come to Corinth. And Paul came to them. Now he was coming to speak to the Jews and also to the people in Corinth about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came to Corinth with great nervousness because it was a very wicked uh, city. And why did he go and stay with these people? Because he was of the same trade. He stayed and worked with them for they were tent makers by occupation. He was there supporting himself in the work of the Lord, not prepared to take anything of the Gentiles. Should we? Should we? There is another method whereby we seek to acquire funds, even from Christians. You know, we we live by faith and not by sight, Scripture tells us. By faith. You know, I suppose we would all wish to live our lives in accordance with the principles as laid down by Scripture. But you know, James in his epistle has some very difficult verses which should challenge me and perhaps you as well in relation to this life of faith. If we claim to live by faith, then James says that our works should show how That faith is true or otherwise. Faith without the works to show that what we say is true is a sham. Faith without works is dead. If we say something and our life doesn't show it, then there's something wrong. He says, Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, it's a sham. If I say I live by faith and my actions say otherwise, it is a falsehood. What James is, is saying is simply this. If I say I live by faith in God, totally for all things. Faith in God for all things. But at the same time, I put my hope in man one eye on trust in God and the other eye on hope in man this is an impossible situation we cannot serve God and mammon we cannot say we have faith in God and faith in man at the same time turn to Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5 Jeremiah 17 and verse 5 cursed Be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departed from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabit it. Cursed be the man that trusted in man and you know if the, the, the situation that he finds himself in he, he won't see any good coming he shall inhabit a parched place in a wilderness in a salty land that can't grow anything pretty horrible situation however the next few verses the contrast of the man who puts his faith solely upon God Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought neither shall cease from yielding fruit Blessed is the man he's going to be like an evergreen tree constantly producing fruit Why? He has his trust in the Lord Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is Our hearts our reason, our feeble intelligence says trust God but also let our requests be made known to man. But look at the next two verses. Verse 9. If we trust to our heart our reason, our intelligence, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I the Lord search the heart, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God wants us to trust him in all things. He is searching my heart. Testing my desires, as a, as he's, he's seeking to prove the genuineness of my heart, as a jeweler tests the quality of gold, he's he's proving, he's proving testing. He wants to give me the desires of our the desires of our hearts, if only we trust him completely. You know, we've referred to the verses. In Psalm 62 before. But it's worth repeating them again. Psalm 62. Verse 5. My soul. My soul. Wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from him. What a wonderful verse. But it is. The psalmist. Encouraging us. To wait thou only. Upon God. My expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us we must have faith in God not faith in faith as some teachers would have us believe that just shall live by faith is so well known to us but what does it really mean in practical terms it must be a life of total trust or nothing it must be one or the other If we believe what the psalmist says, Wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him, then, and you know it's a a big then, if I then make my wants known to man, directly or indirectly, then I am not waiting only upon God and my expectation is is not solely upon God. Psalm 55 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. I am trusting God. We hear it quite often people say, I am trusting God That he will supply a a new something for the ministry. I'm trusting God that he will supply. You're not. As soon as you move off the situation of not trusting God for everything and trusting him solely. You are moving off the ground of faith to the ground of trusting man it may seem difficult it may seem hard first peter 5 humble yourselves therefore under the hand of almighty god that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he careth for you casting all your care upon him Not upon man. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If you trust and never doubt, he will surely not cast out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Can I face up to the challenge of this life of faith? And like Paul, can I say, In Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, we're grateful to God for all those who help missions and help us on our earthly path path and as we go through life but we must make sure that they are only there because God has ordained it so and not because we have sought help through them instead of complete trust only upon God and your expectation is solely from him and not on man have faith in God 1 Timothy 4, nine. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation for therefore we both labour and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Paul was saying that they, they suffered labour and suffered reproach because they trusted in the living God who is the saviour of all men especially of those that believe. These things command And teach. Nearly finished. There is an other side to all this, and we realise that we, as Christians, are all responsible before God to commit our way unto the Lord. To support the work of the Lord, as He leads and directs us, not as as we're encouraged by emails and all the rest of it, but as He leads and directs us. You know, the Lord Jesus gave us some good guidelines in Luke, when it's written in Luke in the Beatitudes. And this was speaking to the, the people of His day I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, Offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, Forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee. And of him that taketh away thy goods, Ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, Do ye also, To them likewise. For if ye love them that love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful, and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. The apostles, of course, expanded on that for people within the church. Galatians 6, verse 10. As ye have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Hebrews 13, verse 16. But to do good and to communicate forget not for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. He speaks the writer to the Hebrews about doing good and communicating to others as a sacrifice which God is well pleased. Communicate Strong says a gift jointly distributed a collection a contribution Exhibiting an embodiment and proof of fellowship. That's what the Hebrew writer is encouraging us to do. To contribute as a proof of fellowship. As in all things there must be a balance. We're not to preach just a social gospel. But a gospel of the saving power of Jesus Christ and the practical work of helping those needy people to live lives on a level above the grinding poverty which envelops many in the developing world and even closer to home here was paul's commentary on the giving of the corinthians as he wrote in second corinthians chapter 8 he talks about Giving, And here's what he has to say about it. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us, begging us with much urging for the favour of participation in the support of the saints. They were begging them to take the money so that they could be included in participating in the support of the saints and this not as we had expected but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God that's a secret they were totally committed to the Lord so we urge Titus that he as he had previously made a beginning so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well But just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to To desire to do it. But now he says, finish doing it also. So that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may also be the completion of it by your ability. For if the readiness be present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction but by way of equality Paul was saying we want to see equality within the churches as regards Christian giving and then he goes on to say an interesting thing at this present time your abundance being a supply for their needs So that their abundance also may become a supply for your need. That there may be equality. At this present time he says. You have an abundance. And you're willing to share it. Sometime. Perhaps they will have an abundance. And they. Then you will benefit from their abundance. As it is written. He who gathereth much did not have too much. And he that gathereth little had no lack. And that was Paul's comment on the giving by the Macedonians and the Corinthians. And finally, Paul's charge in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded Nor trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Charge them. Command them. That they do good. That they be rich in good works. Ready to distribute. Willing to communicate. Willing to communicate as we said. To show by their giving. That they had fellowship with others. Laying up in store for themselves. A good foundation against the time to come. That they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy. Keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoiding profane and vain babblings. And oppositions of science falsely so called. Which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen.